Hello and welcome, Stand Up World 38. We have a good show for you. We've got a great guest, the very, very talented Erica Rhodes is our guest today. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. The Mitch McConnell blow-up dolls that we're selling. Patrick, we've sold a lot of them so far, haven't we? They're selling like hotcakes. Actually, they're, they're wake-up alarm clocks. When you fall asleep, it's just Mitch McConnell goes, whoa, whoa, what? And you, that's, by the way, that's Patrick Arnold, a producer extraordinaire. Mitch McConnell basically just went out of it at the podium and they walked him away. Did you see that, Patrick? They walked him like a zombie, like a bear cub at the zoo that they had to take back to the cage. And then I realized, no, he's just doing a Joe Biden impression. That's all. And then the president fell asleep in Maui last week, and I thought, he's just doing a Diane Feinstein impression. Everyone there is just doing an impression. Trump is doing Alec Baldwin, who's doing Trump. And Vivek Ramaswamy, he's doing that Apu character from The Simpson that Hank Azaria can't do anymore. Since everyone's just doing an impression. God bless them all. I was thinking, you know, I was saying, you know, we got these people are too old to be running the country. But then I was on YouTube looking at some of the young people they interviewed. And I go, oh, you know what? Some of these young people are so stupid. They interview them. Some of the, I saw this one guy says, uh, who won the Civil War? They asked him. He said, Civil uh, War? Yeah. It was us against the uh, Soviets. Around how many people would you say live on Earth? On Earth? Yeah. Eight million. Million or billion? Eight million. Yes. Do you know when the War of 1812 was? Like, was it a while ago or like recently? Like, let's see, that's World War Two. Yeah, give me a year. The War of 1812. Oh. You heard of that one? Yeah, that's like, that's like the 1980s. Yeah. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Fine. Just let's let these old dinosaurs run the planet until we get hit by the next meteor, and then we got to reset the whole thing anyway. But I digress. Are you you're a fan of Erica Rhodes's, right? Oh, she's the best. Yeah, we've had her at a few of our clubs and seen her in Montreal. She's hysterical. Which clubs has she played? She's been at Off Cabbage. She's coming back again this fall. Um, I, I don't want to say she's done laugh, but I don't know. But yeah, she's hysterical. Yeah. yeah, she's great. She's a great joke writer. She's got a new album coming out in October that she was going to talk about. And, and I, I believe I, she was on the taping for The Stand. The Stand did some tapings in Montreal, and she taped like a 10-minute set. So that'll, oh, that'll that right? Out. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I think she's fantastic. So let's Let's get her going. Erica Rose. Mike. How are, you? How are you, Erica? Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. You know what a big fan I am of yours. You, yeah, I don't know if we've even met, actually. No, we've never met. We've never <laughs> met. And, and and Patrick just asked me if we've played we play any of the clubs in L.A. I don't, do you live in L.A.? Yeah, I'm always in L.A. Oh, really? And yeah. You, what, what clubs do you play? Well, I play all of them, but I'm on the road a lot, so I pro I it goes in phases. 
you know, so I'm at the store sometimes. I'm at the improv sometimes. I do a lot of like alty type shows too. Yeah. Well, I, no, I, I haven't run into you in LA and I just, I, I actually, one of the first things I ever saw of yours, which I thought was so good, was this little kind of series, I, I guess, you put you. together, oh, thanks. which yeah, was okay, actually. of you, like again? the trials oh, and tribulations like 10, 000, of auditioning 5, and, so and, like and viral, dealing with people in the industry. Really. And I thought it was so smart and just so, and, and I think I told you this, or I wrote about this in, in, a, in one of my blog pieces. You reminded me of uh, kind of like a young Susan St. James, who, who uh, for those of probably younger people don't know, there was a show called Macmillan and Wife, and she was so good in it. And you, you, you kind of remind me, have that vibe, you know, she was really a good. I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I know her actually. She was great. And I, and I, I, I have a feeling, I think Rock Hudson was Macmillan. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think he was. And he was a detective. And she, but she, someone like Rock Hudson or some big movie star. And yeah, I mean, it sounds familiar. I'm sure I've like seen bits she from was, it. But she yeah. was really good. She was I really like being good. compared to an older time person because I feel like I was born in the wrong time period. <laughs> yeah, how's that? I don't know. I just don't, I don't really feel like I fit in to modern life. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think I would have been a really good slave owner. You know? <laughs> I know that's where you get into trouble. That's where you can't be like, I was born in the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, I would have been really good at just owning people. But you know, now <laughs> everything's fair and and every you got everything's equal. I'm no good. I know I'm not good at cooking either. So I I would not have made a good 50s housewife. So yeah. I probably am born in the right era, but. It's more like the technology that drives me crazy, you know, that stuff. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And what part of LA do you live in? Um, I just moved towards uh, the east side. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't want to tell people exactly where I live. Oh, can you just, you don't have to be exact. Just give us the address and the apartment number. <laughs> Man. Isn't that weird, Patrick, when people come on and they don't want to just get really personal? No, no it's funny you say that because I was watching this this really great show on Netflix right now called Quarterback, and, uh -huh. and Cousins. What's 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 uh, what's what's the uh, the Vikings quarterback? What's Kirk Cousins? Yep, he's like showing in his house and his kids' faces and their oh and in the front of the house and and he doesn't live in a big city. And I was telling my wife, I was saying, man. I don't know what he's doing. Why, why, why would I get showing your life behind the scenes, but yeah, you adore your house and your street and your, your wife and what your kids look like in today's world, all these crazy people, I wouldn't want anyone to know where the hell I lived. Yeah. Bill Burr's security guy, Kenny told me, don't ever post where you are, you know? Yeah. And he knows, I know. Kenny. I think I do. Oh, you know him? I, I know love him well. I know I he's, the best. He's, old, he's the best. He's old time, man. He's he's old school. He was Andrew he's Dice Clay's security guy deal. for years. Yeah, he's the real deal. <laughs> he is. He's a character, man. 
He yeah. is a character, but he's an old cop. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He we call him Club Soda. People call him yeah. Club Soda. Yeah. Club Soda Kenny, man. But he <laughs> but listen, he I, why he's a funny guy. He's a really funny guy. Yeah, but really yeah, don't ever like take a photo inside your hotel, things like that. Uh, some people push it. You know, I had a I had a restaurant for a while on Sunset Boulevard, and um, Bob Saget came to my restaurant. Oh, and it was fun. You know, he was one of my best friends, and he Aww. came. It was it was a hot dog joint right next to the Whiskey A Go Go, and Aww. we're sitting there. He comes and he goes, "Hey, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna." post that i'm here he takes a picture in front of the logo of the place because i have a, like a million five followers this is gonna be good for you and i said i'll right, post it he goes oh i have to post it once i leave i can't do it while i'm here right I said, I said bob do you think people are gonna just like run out of the house because you're here <laughs> what, do you, what do you think's gonna happen a million five people gonna, <laughs> what what's the problem What's the worst case scenario? Probably one weirdo will show up. Yeah. We'll give him a hot dog. And yeah. No, no, he goes, I got to wait till I'm all in the car on all the way out of here. And I, then I'll push send. I said, okay, Bob, whatever you Where want. Where do you live? Are you, So you live in LA? I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I live in Santa Monica. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I live in Santa Monica. I've lived in the same place. Same general area for about 35 years. Nice. I used to live near there, but not anymore. Yeah. No, I, I and I like it. And, and you know, I, I, for like the last year or so, I've been back doing stand up again and I, I play in all the clubs and, you know, so I'm, I'm around. I'm having fun. That's but, cool. Did yeah. you take a break, a break from it and then get back into it? 28 years. Whoa. Yeah. Well, you took a 28-year break? Yeah, I was in prison. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was in prison. And um, no, I, I did. I, I, you know, I did it. I did it every night of my life from the time I was 27 to about 25, 26 years old, maybe 28, something like that, you know, every night. You know, I did the Tonight Show and everything. But then yeah. how long was your break for real? I mean, 28 years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I really, I went up, I went up one time, maybe one time I did a benefit. My friend, Charlie Hill, we, we all did a benefit for him. And, um, I, and then I, I didn't do, I didn't do anything for years. I, Were you working a different job? I would say, yeah. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was, um, I was, you know, doing television and movies and, and oh, acting and, and directing yeah. films and, and, you know, and, and writing films. You were and, out of the know. business. I thought you were like, I thought you no. were like, I took a 28-year break from the business. And I was like. No, 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 no. I just, I just. I thought you've done stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 no. I, I just. Was like, said, I think he's messing with me, but I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was still in the business. I just wasn't go, you know, doing stand up because yeah. It got to the point where I only had so much broadband and I was raising kids and married and you know, I just yeah. I just Oh, I, you had a life, you mean? 
Yeah, I kind of had a life. I would yeah. if you call it that. But and and I and I just, you know, it, I started so young as a stand-up. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you started? Twenty-nine. You were twenty-nine. Wow. Yeah. Now, now what what did you how, did you start on on Garrison Keillor's show? Yeah, I started acting when I was ten on that. How did that happen? How did that come about? Um, he. It's a long story, but my mom was in Pro Arte Chamber Orchestra Boston. She was a founder of the orchestra. She's a violinist. And um, she uh, introduced Garrison to my aunt. She was like, you would get along with my aunt. And they started dating. And then they came and saw me in the Nutcracker. And then we all went out to dinner. And he heard me speak and was like, what's that voice? And then the next day, he had me on the show. And then I was wow. on the show ever since. And then well, they the got married. The show wasn't in Boston. What? It was in Minneapolis. It was all right? over the country. He he performed it everywhere. Oh oh, I always thought it was yeah. just in Minnesota. No, he did it at oh. the Hollywood Bowl. He did it at Town Hall. He did it at Tanglewood, um, Red Rocks, like all over. Wow, I didn't know that. And and the the clips that I saw of you doing it, you were really good. You were so talented. Oh, and so had such a good energy with him. Yeah, we always had a good, a funny dynamic, you know, like my first role was playing his conscience. So I was like, you need to call your mother and you need to read Moby Dick. And, you know, I was telling him what to do. So it was a good dynamic. Yeah, no, listen, I, I, I it's so funny when I, when I watch you and see you, I just feel like there's so many places you work, you know, as as an actress, as a comedian, you know, or maybe like on Saturday Night Live. The other thing that's funny about you, Erica, is, like I said, I haven't seen you around in the clubs, but I know so many of these young comedians, friends of mine, I just have, they're all like, they all have a crush on you. All these guys talk about you. So many are comedians or writers. I have this friend of mine, one of the guys, he's a great guy, he's a friends writer. All he wants to talk about is you. Whenever he comes and sees me at the comedy, whenever he comes and sees me at the comedy store, he always goes, "Oh, I wish Erica Rhodes was here tonight." <laughs> Who is this? His name is Adam. He's a really great writer too, but he's a, he's a, he's so funny. Do I know him or not? No, really? no, he's never met you. He's but he's just <laughs> he's just crazy. It just I know more comedians that are just like all crazy about you so it's, it's i guess i it's didn't a know thing. this this is news to me <laughs> well i mean you've got to travel with a lot of these guys right i mean not really i mean i've opened for a bunch of people but um yeah well i remember I when i was a kid comics, but I'm when not i was a kid that. we were all everyone we were all crazy about elaine boozler i used, I, I, I used to have the biggest crush on elaine boozler and and she, she's yeah. like my opposite. She's like super like brassy and tough, right? She was, yeah, but she, she was just was great. She was so great. And yeah, man. And I, I was just, I was so much younger than her. She did. They, they just saw me as a little kid, you know, but I just, yeah. I could, I could hardly hold a conversation with her. You know, she just was so beautiful to me and so great Aww. and powerful, you know? And, yeah. And she, I mean, like she was going with Robin Williams at one time, and then another time she was going with Andy Kaufman, and then <laughs> and she was going with every every great comedian, and and she was and she just was 
and she was like better than anybody too. She she could right. just kill any yeah. crowd, you know. Does she still do stand up? Yeah, I'm sure she must. Oh, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen her in years. I haven't. I I really tried to get her in the comedy. Did you ever see the Comedy Store documentary? Uh, is that the one you made? Yeah, you didn't have to, but I'm just no, saying. But, no, but yeah. I feel like I did see it, but now I'm not sure because I read, I get confused with the book I read. Well, we're going to show it to you now. It's no. We're going to actually, the interview is going to go a little bit longer than we planned. I need to watch parts. it. I feel like I've seen parts of it, but maybe never sat down and watched the whole thing. But basically, she's the only person that I really wanted to get that I couldn't get. Why couldn't you get her? Yeah, it's a long story, but my mom, my my aunt dated her. No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> doing the Karrison Keeler story. It's a, you know, she just had, you know, there was a big strike and she was on a different side. And I, I don't think she ever really had a, ended up having a good feeling about the comedy store and. You know, and I just um I don't know. I I I I would have loved to have her. You know, everyone came back. Jay, David Letterman, you know, Richard Lewis, you know, Jim Carrey, and I just so Meryl Marco, you know, every I would yeah. have so loved to have her come back and walk the halls with me, but she just didn't wanna, you know. She just yeah was not a, a memory or a time in her life. She wanted Some people to don't want to go back to the past, you know? They just don't. I'm sure there's a lot of dark stuff that happened back then, too. You know, I mean, there was a lot. People were partiers back then in a different way. And I think, you know, was, yeah, especially that place. more trauma as women back then. Yep. That's exactly, you were exactly right. Yeah. Especially that place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like a dark, there's a darkness there too, which I think has been lifted a bit, but I'm sure that, you know, there are things that probably happen that we don't even know about. Well, I know about them. <laughs> you think you know about it. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, it was a crazy time. I, I came out there right after high school and I, I was a doorman and oh, I was wow. there. I was there at the right time, man. It, it was yeah. Nuts. It was nuts, and um, and I. The truth is, I didn't want. I ne I never wanted to deal with or look back at it. You know, I remember Mark Marin would say to me about going on his podcast. We'll talk about the comedy store. So I don't want to talk about the comedy store. I, that's mm. too far in the past. And then when I finally went on his podcast, that's all we talked about. And it was so <laughs> nice, you know. Yeah. So how old? So were you in his um, class or? No, I was a, maybe a class ahead or two ahead of him. Okay. You know? yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I didn't really know. He, yeah, I was gone by the time he was there, but he was a doorman and I was a doorman, but uh, like he was, I think maybe five years after I, I was gone, he's, started coming around which in that era that time is a long time you know yeah but, but and we all lived in a house at the time the owner had a house above the comedy store 
Yeah, who owns that? We were just asked, wondering who's, who lives there now because it's like well, right looking the store. Well, the one, it, it, one, there were two of them. One Polly Shore owns now. And okay. the, other, the one where we all lived, she sold to some guy, and I guess he sold it and fixed it up, and just someone lives there. So what 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 is what's what's your main thrust? I'm always curious to ask you, like, because I, I by the way, I, you know what I loved is is your sad lemon, the way what you did with yeah. It. Thanks for your review. That was a very nice uh, write up that you gave it. I thought it was great. I, and, and I've turned a lot of my friends on to it, and they always love it too. And, and what basically, if you're listening to this and you, you want to watch. It's on YouTube, and it was it was basically your album, but someone just yeah. put up a, a camera and, and and filmed it. Yeah, and I love how you described it. You're like, it's not quite as special. <laughs> You're yeah, like, yeah. Not... <laughs> but it's and a well, really good it's a really good example of sometimes it doesn't it does, you don't have to over over overthink these things, you know? Yeah, it's really about. You know, if you were just sitting in a chair in the audience, you'd have that same view for the whole 50 minutes. Right. Yeah. It was funny when people complained about the talking. They were like, this is really great, but sometimes there's talking or whatever. And I'm like, this isn't a special, you know, <laughs> like it's just a camera that's set up in the middle of the audience. And people are like, well, there was some talking in the audience. And I'm like, that's yeah, because people were talking. You go to a club, <laughs> you know. Listen, I, I find what's more takes me out is too much cutting or too many camera angles. Yeah, same, actually. I've noticed that a lot. I don't like too much cutting in a special. And, I and, like one shot. If you can do it, if you can do one shot, why not? Well, it doesn't have to be one shot, but just yeah. there's got to be a reason why you're cutting. And, and the thing that I hate is you're on the stage and then all of a sudden you cut to the audience. Ah, you know, it's just yeah. like, wait a, minute, wait a minute. I was the audience and now I'm, we're looking at the audience, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, they've, they've become a little too fancy sometimes. Yeah. Story. And, and what's funny is I almost didn't put it up. I was like, because I'm very, I'm, I am a perfectionist. And so I was like, why would I put that up? It's just one shot. And, you know, the album's been out too long. Why would I now put out the video? And then I was like, get over it. Just put it up. You know, maybe people will like it. And I thought it would get like a couple hundred views, you know, well, like the hard work. Really well. It's done really it's done well. Pretty well. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. well compared to the, you know, Sam Morell or whatever, but it's still doing okay. But, you know, I, I listen. And then there's like this other special that Sh Shane Gillis did in Austin, which is so just a threadbare special, two or three cameras and a little yeah. club. And, and it, it's great. So it yeah. really, you don't have to overproduce these things. I know I debated because I filmed my second album that's coming out in October, but I don't think I'm going to release a video, at least not right away. Cause I, I think I want to, in that case, make it look a little bit more polished you know, but, but I am debating about it. How'd you film it? Well, um, uh, Jeremy, who produced it, uh, had three cameras, but we just didn't have any lighting or anything. And it's at Acme. 
and it's just a very basic, you know, red curtain, which I just feel like there's nothing that stands out in that background. You know, it's just red and I don't really pop in it. And I'm wearing like my green jumper that's not that flattering. And I think it, I don't know. I just feel like I can maybe make it look a little, a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll release the album first, like what I did with a sad lemon. And then if I can't get the money to produce a special, then just put it out. But I don't know. Kind of want what's to get the, What's the name of the album? Ladybug. Ladybug. It's great. Ladybug. <laughs> and, and what, how, like, what do you, when you say produce an album, release an album, who, what, who's going to release it? Was there a company doing it? Yeah. So Jeremy um, has a company. He was with Helium and now he started his own label called, I think it's called Rhizome. And uh, so he's just producing on his own now. So um, yeah. So it's just like, you know, normal uh, album, like an hour long. It's an hour. That's great. Yeah. A little yeah. less. We were just talking earlier, you know. Uh, you know, I, I think to me, I don't. I really don't really understand doing an hour anymore. You know, we're, you know, mm. it's just, but I guess an album you have to do that long, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's a body of work, so you kind of want it to stand together, and it's not like you write it as a cohesive body of work. You don't write it like as clip, like we're not, I don't know. I feel like thinking in terms of clips is just a marketing tactic. It's not how you think about making art. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But I just feel like, an uh, like to me, it feels like I was thinking more like 40 minutes, 30 minutes. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, you could do that. You could do a special that's like 30 minutes, but it still has like a story or something that ties right. it all together. Cause otherwise you're just thinking, I mean, unless you write one liners or just jokes that have nothing to do with each other, usually you're stringing it together into some kind of art. Right. Oh yeah. That's great. And, that's and, do, you, and do you find yourself like when you put something like that out and it, and I, 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 by the way, I think that's really great to do that and think like that. Do you need to move on from it afterwards or do you keep yeah, doing it? That's my problem is like, I, I'm ready to move on, but of course you have to write it. Yes. <laughs> so like, you know, right. You kind of start with like pieces of it. You're like, okay, I'm like, psychologically I've moved on, but I still have to do, I still have to work. You know, and I can't right. just get up at the punchline. You know, I was at Punchline Sacramento this weekend. I can't just get up for five shows and be like, I'm going to write my new hour now. Um, right. Plus, they haven't heard my new, they haven't heard my album yet. It's not right. out yet. So I'm pretty much still doing my album. But then there's like, I'm trying to write like five minute new bits at a time. I see. I yeah. See. But, but yeah, psychologically, I feel like ready to move on. Would you, have you, were you, did you get into this to do something else? Or like, if, if, like, say you were, you were doing a show and it hit and you were working as an actress, would you just stop doing stand up? I don't think I'll ever stop doing stand up. Um, I just like the process too much, you know? Like, it feels like a really creative space and the immediacy of feedback you can't replicate like in any other art form. 
So I think I'll always want to do stand. I think I'll always crave that immediacy of like a live audience and that connection of a live audience. But I'm open to doing other things. And the road is hard, you know, like I'm not going to lie. That lifestyle is hard. And I, I see like years just kind of going like fast from being on the road. I'm like, where did the past five years go? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's it's right. hard. But although I will say, you know, I, I, I do have regret. I wish I didn't give up my stand-up. Really? Yeah. I mean, and guy, you know, I was really good friends with Jay Leno. And he used to always say to me, don't give up your act, man. What are you doing? What are you giving <laughs> up your act for? Always have your act. You know? Yeah. And, it's kind of a life preserver. It's like, okay. Yeah. You always have, I mean, like, yeah, during the strike, you have it to fall back on and I mean, yeah. you can do it anywhere. And, you know, I also kind of in my back of my head, I always thought it'd been so long, I won't be good at it again. You know, it comes back, I bet. It it, it come it came back pretty quick. And, and plus taking all that time off, I had a different take on it. But I do think you're right. I think that immediacy, you know, and and yeah you write a There's script it takes like a year it. to find out if it's any good i know i'm i keep so I, I wrote another short film that i really want to do and it's taking me like a year to do because there's so many i think well i know i have very bad adhd and it's like to focus on all the steps that lead up to the making of it it's like so many steps and i get overwhelmed whereas writing a joke you're like two steps write the joke try the joke those are the two steps. It's not That's like right. find someone to produce it and then find the location and the blah, blah, blah. Well, and I also find, I don't know if you feel this way, at least this version of me as a stand-up, I only like doing it when I have new material. If I go out and, I'm, and I don't have something to try out, yeah. even like three nights in a row and I'm doing just the same stuff, it's really... Yeah. It's, not it's painful. It's painful for me if I don't have, I have a rule that I have to have at least one new joke. I mean, I've, I've bombed for like an hour before just cause I'm like, I can't do any of my old jokes. I can't right now. Yeah. Because, yeah. It starts to become painful, but then that feeling when you do get a new joke and it works is like, there's no other feeling like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and I've said this a lot, but I think this, the newer generation is much more able to reinvent their hours than than they were when I was working. You know, it was. What do you, mean, what do you mean re reinvent it, or do you mean write a new one? Or yeah, a write, new a new, one? write a new one. Oh, okay. You know, it, it's um. You know, there was this great thing. You know, I think it was Roger Bannister was the first guy that broke the four minute mile runner. And oh, okay. No one could. No one could run a a four minute mile break four minute mile but once yeah. he did it once he did it everybody could do it everybody did it and yeah. everybody comedians like long before i got into it they had they they had their nightclub act and they would go on television but they, they saved their nightclub act and they 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 added a joke here and there and they they, they didn't they they didn't show any they never messed with their nightclub act because they could go town to town and do it yeah. and then 
Cable came along, and I remember Jay Leno got a special, and he did it, and he just he bought it back from them. He didn't want anyone to see it. He realized Whoa. it was incredible material. And guys like Robert Klein and George Carlin and Richard Pryor and also Lily Tomlin kind of broke the mold. They started doing brand new hours. Mm. But they, they were few and far between, Albert Brooks. Yeah, now everyone's doing a new hour every right every year. <laughs> And it's like what? When I can, yes. Longer, though. I it does, I can't write a new hour in in a year. It's not. I can't do it. Well, you also write jokes. You, you you're writing jokes that are so finite sometimes. You yeah, know? sometimes I'm trying to kind of lengthen lengthen the, them a bit. So like I'm and trying to do stories. Yeah, yeah. But it takes longer to write those for me. Yeah. Yeah. But but I just think for some reason it just became because it became part of the process and part of the job. It became easier to think in terms of okay, I got to write a new hour, and like you said, okay, I put this out, so it's going to come out in three months. So in this next three months, I better have twenty minutes at least. Yeah, you know, people didn't think like that before, and and I I can just see it, but. In this version, for me, I, I I write so much more than I used to. That's you know? good. Yeah, we you had know? a funny. I had a funny thing I did. Like, uh, we did a news appearance last night. Greg Fitzsimmons and I, because I'm opening for him at Irvine Improv this Sunday. <laughs> And, and they ask, you know, they always ask you questions that you're kind of like, how do I answer? So they asked, they, they asked, no, they said, so Greg had been on Letterman, you know, and he's been doing it for years and years. And they're like, how has comedy changed? But they asked me how comedy has changed. And it just threw me because I thought they were going to ask him. And so I, I go, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> and then I thought Greg would have something funny to say, and he just like left me hanging. <laughs> it was so I funny. Feel. Like I, I have to tell you, Greg is Greg. I Greg is one of the guys that really made me really get back into stand up. Oh, really? I love yeah. Greg. He's like one of oh. my favorite people. Well, yeah, and and I'll tell you why. It's kind of a funny story. I just. I've been around the store working on this documentary for a couple of years. And I and it, I was thinking, people kept saying, do you, do you miss it? I, nah, I don't miss it. I don't miss it. And, and then there was a roast for Adam Egan, the, mm. the booker. Yeah. And I think, oh, I want to I roast him. I love the guy, you know. A, and I wrote this thing all afternoon. And, and Greg went up and he was so funny. He was so good. He just, he, he was like, it was, he was wonderful. And I yeah. followed him and I went up and I bombed so bad. <laughs> Everything that I thought was funny. I had no timing. I just, I just didn't know what I was doing. And you know, this, and I, in my head, I thought this is going to be genius, but I yeah. didn't, there was no, I had no sense of it. And I remember thinking, God, this is a guy, he's so well-oiled. He's he's in the game, you know? Yeah. And about, I think a month later, 
Felicia Michaels asked me to be on this belly room show she does called. Yeah, I did Wait, that show. Yeah. 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 And I, and I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And um, so, I, and then as we got closer, I thought, oh man, I said yes. And I better write something. And I wrote like 15 brand new minutes. And it was, I thought, okay. And it worked because it was all about growing up there as a kid and Mitzi and and it was like it was like heroin, you know. Yeah. It was like, you know, but it was so funny. It was it was really seeing Greg so oiled and so in the game. It was yeah. so funny. Inspiring. And, and, yeah. And and it, I mean, he's so good at what he does. He you is know? so good. He's I've never so seen him not do well. He, like he's he, always good. I saw him one night at the Laugh Factory. I was laughing so hard. He did, was doing this bits about his wife telling him, "If you know, all these years on the road, if you I had wanted to, yeah. <laughs> wanted to, you could have." <laughs> and he's going, "Oh man, why do you tell me this now?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, you know, he's, yeah. he's so he's funny. Good. We have a lot in common because we have the same birthday. We both had, well, I grew up in Boston. He spent time in Boston. Um, He went to BU. I went to BU. We have like so many weird things in common. So we connect. My son went to Emerson. So that's my, I I spent a lot of time there while he was in college. I got rejected from Emerson because when I auditioned, you know, I was auditioning for the acting program. And I said, uh, I did my monologue and then they gave me a direction to do the monologue as this actress. And they told me an actress I had never heard of. (laughs) I didn't ask who is that. And I just, I just continued to do the monologue pretty much the exact same way because I had no idea who they were talking about. Do you know, do you remember who it was? No, I think it was like some old time actress that I had never heard of. And you just didn't want to ask? I just didn't. I was, I was like, I, I must like have to know who this is. And so I just pretty much just did the monologue again. <laughs> like, don't you hate don't you hate when you don't ask the simple questions? That I know. Just- it would have been so easy to be like, I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. Um, and then I had a similar thing happen with cello. You know, I played cello when I was a cello major in college. And I auditioned for the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, you know, like the big London um, school. And we had to sight read like Brahms Symphony number one or something. And I could not sight read. And so I tried to play a couple notes and then I like stopped and they were like, have you heard Brahms first? And I was like, I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember getting a big laugh in the room. Like that was like my first, you know. It was, is that what you, what did your dad do? He, well, he was a clarinetist. And then, uh, so my parents met at the New England Music Conservatory. And um, then he got MS. So he had to change professions because his pinky stopped working. And so then he became a CPA. Wow. He was at Ernst & Young, um, the company you there. think that would still be a, a problem, being a CPA with, with a pinky problem. 
Well, I mean, he he used his right hand to draw uh, to to draw to um write, and his right hand was pretty good for a while. Okay. It was more like the you know like efficiency of notes, like you have to I hit see. the note, you know. But and, and, yeah, or typing. I mean, he had to type. So. Did they want you to kind of do that? Is that was 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 that their dream for you to kind of follow into that world? I think my mom really just wanted me to be some kind of performer. And so the only way to rebel was to become a comic because that's like the lowest form of art. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like she's like, that's the other day I talked to her and she's she was I was talking about how men always think they're funny when they're not, you know, like men who aren't comics. They always try to be funny and they're not funny. And my mom, like, I think a lot of people wish, you know, wish they had been a comedian, like a lot of people in different fields. And she goes, I have no idea why anyone would ever want to do that. That's really funny. I was like, thanks. (laughs) It's funny because I grew up in Detroit and my parents were so far from show business. So far. I feel like you hear that more than people being in showbiz, you know? I, I, I don't know, but no? I, will, I will tell you, when I told my parents I wanted to be a comedian, and I knew at a really young age, but when I was really sure of it, that, that like at 17 that I was going to leave and go to California, my mother just flat out said to me, I don't understand this. There's there, Comedians are all unhappy and they're messed up on drugs. And and none of them are successful, even the successful ones. <laughs> and you know, she was right. She was yeah. right <laughs> in, yeah. in, a, in a weird way. And and she yeah. told her years later. I said, you know, you were just guessing. You didn't know that. You, it was a really mean thing to say. You happened to be right. <laughs> you didn't know that. Oh man! What were your parents? What did your parents do? Um, my father is in the building. Was in the building business. Okay. And, and my mother was just, you know, just the mother. We had a lot of kids, and she was just at the time. And then she had a, she had a, a store, a furniture store, oh, okay. a, a antique antique store. Oh, cool. But okay. you know, but when we were growing up, she just. Had a bunch of rugrats, you know. How, how many kids? Uh, four boys. Whoa. Yeah. And you're the youngest. No, I'm the second to oldest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kids. Yeah, I just acted the youngest. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. But, but I, I, I just think, to me, if I think if if I had parents like your parents that were in in that world something so like music and something so, you know, all encompassing. And uh, cause I happen to know a little bit about that world cause I've had friends in it. Yeah. I, I think w- w- once, once your kids even dabble in it, you just, you want them in it, you know, in a really cool yeah. way. You know? Well, musicians are also very funny. Like I remember that um, when, like I also auditioned, I don't know why I'm talking about all my auditions for schools, but um, it just reminded me of when I auditioned for Juilliard as an actress 
And the musicians came out of the rehearsal and they just started making fun of the actors, you know, like a cellist goes to be or not to be. And he was really obnoxious, you know, but I thought it was hilarious. And I was like, those are my people. So I thought musicians were my people because they were funny and actors took themselves too seriously. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be around these people, um, you know, talking about their feelings and things like that. <laughs> so, um, but it's interesting that like I, I liked musicians because they were funny and then eventually, you know, became a comedian. I will tell you, you know, when I got into making movies, one of the best parts, I, I just loved scoring and working with orchestras and it was so much yeah, fun. Yeah, that's so cool. So much fun working with that. That was so great to see how they would work and these these people would just they were so succinct in every way and so their mode they it was just really wonderful and, and they, they they just they worked so hard and we were yeah. lucky we worked with like the london philharmonic and oh, we wow. with so many cool people you know and, and and like i say they took it so seriously yeah my mom played under john williams so i met him when i was a kid Wow. And I thought he was Santa Claus. I was like, we're meeting Santa. Cause he looked just like Santa with the beard. And then my mom played on Schindler's list and um, saving private Ryan. She played wow. on the soundtrack. That's great. That's so, the top. That's the top of the food chain in that world. Yeah. She's pretty good. Yeah. She must be. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you said that, that's what I was thinking. I was yeah, thinking. she's a good violinist. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta be. yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you, the guy, do you know who Alexander de, Alexander de Splat is? Is that a musician or a composer? He, he's a composer. He's won a bunch of Oscars. Yeah, he, I think I know of him. Yeah, he's a French guy. And he... Yeah. he he did one of my movies and he was, he even then, he wasn't even a big guy then. Which but movie he, was it? It was called The Upside of Anger. It was a Kevin Costner, Joan Allen movie. And we and he he got the London Philharmonic. And, wow. And he, he was so, everyone had to be the best at, at their instruments. You know, he, yeah. he was, those guys, you know, they, they just are so picky. Perfectionist. Yeah. I used yeah. to practice eight hours a day when I was in music school and you just sit there and you just play things over and over and over again, you know, and it's just like really tedious. Well, listen, you know, I will say that's the other thing is when I was doing stand up, and it might just, and it was just me because I will say the guys that were really successful worked harder than I did. And that's why I let it go. Because I wasn't working that hard on it. I worked hard on scripts and other things. Yeah. But when I'm doing it now, and the way that I'm doing it now, and the people that I know that are really successful now, they're working a lot more than eight hours a day. <laughs> they're, mm -hmm. you know, they, they are taking it so serious. And, and they're, they're working at that level. Yeah. Especially, you know, when I did that comedy store documentary, Neil Brennan said, something that really, it just rang the bell for me. He said, if you look at the all the biggest names in stand-up, without a doubt, they're the people that write the most. Yeah, I believe that, yeah. And he just 
you ticked them all off and you go, wow, yeah. that's so true. Those people write the that all have constantly have new material. Yeah. And, but but in today's world, comedians, you know, we, I really I worked an hour a day. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, worked an hour a day. I sometimes work an hour a day too. <laughs> you know? If I'm being honest. <laughs> but you don't you're doing podcasts and you're doing well, that's the thing it's like everything now feels like work you know it's like it's like putting up a, a clip feels like work and then booking your flights and figuring out where you're gonna be and then you know like all that feels kind of like you're putting in hours even if it's not writing but my writing kind of comes in spurts I'm not one of those people that sits down and like is, you know, I don't have a regime where I'm like, I have to write five hours a day. I don't do that. Well, do you write on stage? Or do you I sometimes, I write more on stage, I think, than I used to. I used to sit at the computer, but now I think I come up with ideas. I write a lot when I'm in LA so that I can try stuff out here. And then on the road, I try to write on stage more. Yeah. But, I, yeah. I, I I don't understand. People say that, but I don't understand the writing on stage. I I, I can ad lib tags and fine tune, but I, I have to sit there and think of things. Or well, I'll come up them. with the idea before. I'll say I want to riff on this idea, and then I keep riffing on it until I find the punchlines on stage. Because I think there's like a different side of your brain that works on stage that's actually more creative and know something that you don't know when you're sitting there and like yeah. trying to plan it. And like, it, sometimes you stumble into things in a more creative way in the moment when you're like, your brain doesn't know where to go. And then it goes somewhere it, you, you didn't even expect. And yeah. that's to me, those are my favorite moments when I write a punchline that even I didn't see coming. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. And you, you, you do get that on stage because you're, you're kind of like you're. It's like walking out at the end of a plank on a pirate ship or something. Yeah, and you're like, I don't know where this is going, and they don't either. And that's kind of fun when you both don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, I also, by the way, I, you have this joke that I just love. I always tell people about uh, your joke about uh, when the Harvey Weinstein thing happened, and your oh, parents. Yeah. I knew that you didn't do any. We knew you didn't mess around with him because your career would have been much gone much better yeah <laughs> that's a great joke she really did say that she, really did. <laughs> she did yeah that's really funny i'll give my mom credit for that one <laughs> yeah. what was the thing that your parents saw you do that finally said okay she's gonna she's we're, we're, she, we get it oh i don't know um, I mean, my mom has always been pretty supportive, actually. But like the first time she saw me perform was at was in Cambridge. Do you know that um, that Chinese restaurant in Boston? Where Rick the Ding Jenkins? Ho? The Ding yeah. Ho? Well, it used to be called that, but then it changed to the comedy Boston studio. Comedy studio. Yeah. But it started yeah. there. Was that Maybe the Ding Ho, Patrick? Was I don't it? believe so. I think the video ended, yeah, and then Rick Jenkins started the comedy. Yeah, Rick studio. Jenkins started studio, and then he changed locations. But anyway, that was the first time my mom saw me perform, and she was like, "Honey, that was wonderful. You looked so comfortable up there. You looked like you were having so much fun." And then she said, and this ended up being a joke, but she's like, 
if there was one thing that I could change, just one tiny little thing, if there was a gun to my head and I had to change just like a tiny, tiny little thing, it would be the material. <laughs> oh my God. She really said that? <laughs> Your mom sounds like a character. Yeah, <laughs> oh, she is. Hysterical. <laughs> That's so funny. The one tiny little thing. Is tiny everything. Thing. If there was a gun to my head and I just had to cheat, I was like, that would be like you playing violin and me being like, if there was one thing I had to change, it would be just be the notes. It would just be the notes that you played. That's amazing. That's so funny. <laughs> but now she's been pretty supportive. Um, yeah, I think you know she loves Sad Lemon. She agreed about that. And she always gave me notes, like when I started, you know, like, but no, she's always been pretty supportive and she tries to quote my jokes and all, like does a terrible job with that. She, she'll be like, I told my friend the joke about the tattoo. And then I'm like, how did you say it? And she adds like, you know, 20 lines to it. <laughs> the first time my mother ever saw me do stand up, she came, I was playing a little club in Detroit. <laughs> Uh -oh. First of all, she sat in the front row. Oh no! Which I don't. Her, her, and her friend sat in the front row. Which I was like later go. What were you doing in the front row? Why? I, I took. I, I demanded the best seat in the house. Guy said, "I'm his mother," and and she just. Wait, are you Jewish? Is she yeah. Jewish? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that makes sense. I'm. I want you know I want I wanted to be you to be proud of I want to you know know I'm proud of you. So she sat in the front row and she answered about half of my jokes with that didn't happen. That's oh come on. Oh, thinking that she was helping the show. Oh my god. That's hilarious being heckled yeah. by your mother. That was unbelievable. Well, she didn't see it as heckling. Oh yeah, of course not. She was helping. So the heckling is yelling out. Right. Yeah. I was talking to you. <laughs> when yeah. I opened for Doug Stanhope like a couple years ago, my mom, he knew my mom was in the audience and like he, she was up in the balcony and he starts talking to her directly and has like an entire conversation with her. And she just like has like all these answers. And I forget what he asked her, but he just like kept talking and then I, I thought she would come back and like meet him. And then she just like left. And I was like, why are you going to meet him? He like spent like 10 minutes talking to you. She's like, I was with my friends. They needed to leave. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Did they not like his act? No, I think they let, I think they were big fans. I think they, they loved it. My mom love, loves him. I think he's great. Oh, he's like, I think he's one of the best. I love yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's so funny. It, you just never know with parents what they want. Uh, you yeah, know, they're just unpredictable. I have to tell you, man, and now I'm in the same place. You know, my son just had his first movie and, and it came out and, and it's uh, he just won Best Independent Film at the L.A. What's film, film Festival. What's the half, Halfway to Amarillo, you know, and it's, wow. really, it's really good and really funny and, and like yeah and but but i like i go to the screenings with him and i'm going to austin he's in uh, the film festival there and 
but but I I just watch it and and I'm just so proud and you know and and then yeah. he has got to go up and talk afterwards and and I just want to I'll want to go ask more questions take yes. more because he's he's like he, he's he writes and directs the movie and he's got a lead role in it. And then he walks up there shy, like you're not shy. Knock it oh off! Oh my god, yeah. But and I want to. I want. Hey, hey. <laughs> tell him. Take some more time up there. This is your moment. Go. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just, you know. What's his name? His name is Bert. Bert Binder. He's, Bert Binder. He's, yeah, he's, he's he's super talented. He's really, yes, he really okay. is. He had a whole another movie. He's all ready to go for the strike, but he's just really, he's really, he's just good at what he does. It, and I'll tell you, I did not want him to do this when he told me mm. that he wanted to be a, an actor. My heart sank because it's yeah. so hard. But then I saw him work, and I went, "Oh wow, he's good. He's good," you know. But he grew up on sets, and he understood it, yeah. and. And then I saw a few of these little things that he made, and oh wow, okay, he's good. And, and you know, I just listen—it's a hard business, but he's yeah. but being a being a parent of a performer is a really weird thing, you know. Very hard, yeah, yeah. I remember when I remember one of the first times I ever got up in New York. I was staying with um, Jenny's, my aunt, and Garrison. And um, I bombed hard, you know, so hard because it's my first time ever performing in New York. I'd only been doing stand up a couple of years. It was one of the harder clubs. It wasn't, you know, one of the main clubs. It was one of those like tourist type clubs. And I just remember like it was just crickets the whole set. And I came back and Garrison was like, how'd it go? And I was like, bad. I was like, horrible. I'm humiliated. It was awful. And he goes, well, go to bed and do it again tomorrow. That's great. I was like, that was great advice, you know. Well, go to bed, get up and do it again tomorrow. And were you thinking about quitting? Would, would you never would? No, I mean, I had, it was weird because uh, a year in, you know, my manager at the time was Bruce Smith at Omnipop, who, you know, represents like Maria Bamford and Andy Kindler and all those people. And um, he's kind of one of the people that encouraged me to try stand up. And when I started, I didn't think I kind of wanted to just do it because I thought I'd be scared of it and I wanted to face a fear I had. And then I didn't expect to keep doing it. And then I kept doing it and I was pretty bad for like a year, you know, like really quite bad. <laughs> and <laughs> the only time I started getting laughs is when I admitted how bad it was going, you know, when I would comment about how bad it was going. And, uh, and then at one point I said, maybe this isn't my thing. Like maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And he's like, it's too soon to tell. You just don't know yet. So then I did it another year and started to like actually kind of get my rhythm. And I got out of that actor presentational thing I was doing, which was like, here are my jokes, you know, and uh, and then finally started to get the hang of it. But I was bad for a while. I was bad I, for two years. Pretty bad. It takes a long time to be really great. I don't think there's any shortcuts to that. You know? No, I don't think so either. Even now, I mean, I've been doing it 10 years and I still feel like a lot of the time I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. So. I, I honestly, I hate to say this. I, I think it takes 20 years. 
I think so too. Well, I think people have been saying that to me for 10 years and I'm like, okay, so I'm halfway there. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's true but because just the rhythm and your own voice and being comfortable and not feeling like you're performing, you know, like I still feel like I'm performing sometimes and I hate that feeling. I will tell you, I, you know, one of the things that um helped me get back into it I would I was opening for friends, middling for friends. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I didn't really want to just play the comedy store and the improv. And I so I'd go to the improvs like for with Damon Waynes and Jeff Ross and Jeremy Piven, you know? Yeah. And Jeremy Piven is an actor who's just started doing stand-up. And he's yeah. only been doing it five years. Yeah. And he's he's really good. And he's the only guy, you know, over all the years I've been watching and doing stand-up, I've seen so many actors try to get into it. Mm. Never seen anyone get that good in five years. And it, yeah. and I I don't know what, what it, how he did it, but I think a lot of it is just because he started so young as an actor, mm. you know? And I think maybe that's probably what happened with you. You know, you just, you just been performing so young and, and you just knew... So, so it might have just been in your blood. So you just had to figure out how maybe not to perform as much. That's what he said, you know? Yeah, you have to kind of, you have to be less, you have to be less self-conscious, I think. Yeah, yeah. You have to be more just there and present. Especially today. I think right now, yeah. this is the, like an age of authenticity, you know? That That's you, true. That is true, you which know, is actually yeah. kind of nice because in that way, I think it is a good time for me because I don't really, I like to write in a weird kind of way, you know, without such a formulaic, you know, yeah. punchline kind of way. Like sometimes I ease into just a bit and I'm not so punch, 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 which is harder in New York. Like when I go to New York, I have a harder time. But in LA, I feel like they allow for more experimentation like that, you know? Yeah. No, I love your style. I love your style because you just, it's like you, you, you kind of like say to the audience, just come on to my speed. Just yeah. Come my, just come to my speed. Cause that's where we're working tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what you got to get. You know, that's what Mark Marin does really well. True. I've always admired how he does that where he's just yeah. like, I mean, he's so effortless, you know, yeah. like, that's what I really want to get to where it doesn't feel like work. I'm I would sure say that's are. a guy that that's a guy yeah. that took a he he's become a great comedian and yeah. and even even though I didn't know the few times I would go to the store or something or see him he wasn't he was nowhere near as good as he is now you know he really yeah. has grown I feel like people are as good as they're willing to be bad right that's right you know like if you're willing to be really bad you'll eventually find something interesting whereas no, if you're you Whereas if you need to kill, you'll never get to a place that feels very real and kind of scary. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because the two best comics that I can think of, or two of the best, are Richard Pryor and Bill Burr. And both oh. of those, are, there are two comics that could just go on stage and just, they're okay with silence. Yeah. <laughs> We're okay with bits not working if they're working uh, stuff out. I really wish I could see early Bill Burr because it's like I know that 
he's worked very hard to get where he is, you know, and I would love to just watch him not have a good set because I can't imagine it now. But I don't think it's early Bill Burr. I really? think it's now in between specials. I think he just goes up at clubs. That's with true. New ideas. And, and, the, and he's OK if he's working out a bit. I think yeah. he, he he does work in that spirit of prior you know he that's with, true he really goes out there and on a, on the, on the thin ice that's I true know what erica's saying though i think you're talking about you just want to see him find his footing as a comic you know what i mean like yeah like i i mean i've seen some early clips of his but i haven't really seen him in like an awkward phase where it's right. like he doesn't know what he's doing at all you know he's not funny with a lot of hair <laughs> It didn't work till he shaved everything. <laughs> That's the secret. That's the secret. <laughs> Listen, I've taken up enough of your time. I but I, I have to tell you, I'm such a big fan of yours. And and oh, I even talking even talking to you, I just I really I just really think you're great. And I, I know I know I know you're gonna do great. I can't wait to hear Ladybug, you know. And, <laughs> I can't wait to hear men have to say that word, <laughs> ladybug. No, we say it. We we say it all the time. Actually, we just said that that lady bugs is what we say. <laughs> lady bugger. Oh, <laughs> well, we say we, we well, that's a different one. But over in England, we say that lady bugger. But but lady bugger. But uh, no, I actually think it's a really good title for an album. Thanks. But, yeah, but I'm excited I, about it. Yeah. I wish you the best. And I hope I'm we get sure. to do a show at, at some point together. Uh, well, we'll do it. We'll do it. Okay. You should come to do one of the shows at the Hollywood Roosevelt. Are you doing shows there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just was there last week. Actually. Oh, with Jimmy Shin? No, with um, Josh. Jo uh, best well-dressed, the well-dressed show. Oh, I don't know. Jimmy Shin oh. does a lot of shows there. Okay. We'll uh, we'll do one. We'll do one. Okay. It's really it it's really great talking to you. Yeah, you too, Mike. And I'll have to check out all your films too. Tell me do which it. one to start with. Should I start with Comedy Store? Well, that's yeah, that's a documentary. Watch yeah, the Upside yeah. of Anger. Okay. I feel like I've that's, seen that, but I'll watch that's it. My I'll, favorite. Okay, I'll watch it again. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice to meet you, Patrick. Thanks, Erica. Boy, she's great. Isn't she great? She was awesome. She, yeah, she's really, she's very special. And I, I really am looking forward to Lady, Lady Bugs. Lady Bug. Lady Bug. Lady Bug, yeah, it's going to be great. And she's, she's a great joke writer. If you, if you haven't had a chance to, to see uh, Sad Lemon, you should, you should really watch it. It's, she's so talented. But that's it, you know. Got a great, Great guest next week, right? Not going to yep. say, not gonna spoil the surprise, but this Wednesday down in La Jolla, I'll be at the Comedy Store in La Jolla. So if you're down there, come on down. And September 29th in Detroit, I'll be opening for this crazy bastard, the legend Jeffrey Ross. At Where's he playing in Detroit? Andiamo. So, and I'm going in to open for him and have some fun. He's he's amazing. Live, that guy puts on an amazing show. 
And I'm just kind of going in, riding his coattails once again, as I have done many, many times. But I just have fun hanging with him. So that's it. That's what I got coming up. Nothing much more. Just waiting for this damn strike to end so I can go back to work, being out of work. And that's it. I'm going to be down in Austin for my son who has his movie there. He's opening the film festival halfway to Amarillo. And uh, get some good stuff. Some good stuff. It's all good. We have some great guests coming up, right? Definitely. Really good guests. So, thank you so much. Episode 28. Check us out on StandUpWorld.com for all the links on X and Apple, and Spotify, and on Apple, please, please rate us and comment and kick us up the ladder. We really appreciate all the support we've been getting. We've, every week we grow a little bit, and it's really been great. So thank you so much. And also, I just want to say, please take the time and sign up for the newsletter at standupworld.com. You get a free copy of my book, Stand Up World, and you get the newsletter every week. It's really, people seem to like it. That grows too. Great read. It's fun. It's fun. And that's it. Have a great week. Episode 38. It's out. <laughs>